episode 347, The Rant, Kevin Karp, former head coach of the boys varsity basketball team at North Shore High School, educator, lightning director, and owner of Mecca Basketball. It was only a matter of time until I'd get Coach Karp on The Rant. On this pod, we discuss his love of basketball and his come up playing it, his entree into coaching on an unforgettable JV season, to coaching at the varsity level, and pivoting because of COVID-19 as a lightning director and trainer at Mecca Basketball. All that and more, my conversation with Coach Carp now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by Long Island Legends U, the premier youth flag football league on Long Island. Calling all ages from 4 under to 18 and under, both boys and girls. Sign up as a team or a free agent. Expect pictures, social media posts, full game weekly highlight videos, and much, much more. Fall season for 2021 is rapidly approaching. Sign up today. To register, visit legendsu.com or follow us on Instagram at LILegendsU. Legends are not born. They are created. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, Bright and Early. Fresh from missing the exit, uh, coming straight from wherever he came. I don't even know where he came, but super early in the morning. Welcome to the Chop Shop. Somebody that used to coach at North Shore High School on the varsity boys basketball level. Um, also was the head trainer and uh, lightning director. Also owns Mecca Basketball. Am I missing anything? Yeah, no, that's... Uh yeah, lightning director right now, currently, and uh, co-owner of Mecca Basketball, and um, you know, proud father, of my son Tristan, and and a teacher. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Let's introduce this man, Coach Kevin Carp. How are you, my friend? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Honored to be honest with you. Um, just want to chop it up, you. Yeah, so, man. Really excited to get to uh, talk to you. I know we connected through Instagram, which is like such an amazing thing. I think when you start seeing people that you know and you can really highlight their uh, stories. And we just talked off air about how you weren't really hip to a lot of things that happens in the officiating side. So it's really good to hear that perspective because, you know, I always feel like we're such an integral part of the game and we never get our props because we just are always thinking of as like background where it's like, you know, we're only good if we don't mess up, but if we make one mistake, and I often think about this, right? And, and as football is on right now and the World Series is almost about to happen, we're taping this on October 16th on a Saturday. You know, I think about those referees that, you know, especially in the NFL, it could be refing for 15 years. They're in the Super Bowl, they make one call, and that's the definition of their career. Meanwhile, they've been refing in the NFL for 25 years. They've had an illustrious career. They've done numerous bowl games. But that's not what the general public thinks. They just think, man, they messed up the Giants, man. You get what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm happy that you were able to hear that. Were yeah. you surprised how referees go through these things? No, you know what? I've been a head coach at, you know, the, vice, the varsity level for over a decade, coaching high school basketball for 15 years. And, 
you know, to hear your perspective on, you know, the trials and tribulations that referees have to go through in terms of just, you know, moving up the ladder and the things that we just chopped it up about, you know, it's interesting. I thought I find it, you know, intriguing. So it's really cool. And, uh, you know, that was great, man. That was really good. Awesome, man. So um, we're taping this, like I said, we're, we're here Saturday morning. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how you connected. How did you discover Referee Ramp? Nah, I just follow you on uh Did you know, you know it was me? What? Did you know it was me? Yeah, no, I know oh, it you was did. you. I knew, uh, you know, I followed you. I, I, I had, uh, you know, it's interesting. Just the power of social media is, is just so interesting because, you know, people pop up. And they like things that you're doing and then you like things that other guys are doing and you know it's just you make these connections with people and all of a sudden you know next thing you know you're sitting here on a saturday morning with you and just chopping it up and uh you know no one having a relationship with you from you know a coach referee relationship and then kind of just taking it here and seeing how many things that you know we connect on is pretty cool yeah and, and I, I definitely vividly remember that time when when i did referee you um it was like right before the pandemic and it seems like so long ago of those times, right? You, you were coaching and I remember I just walked freely in. There was no mass mandate and, you know, everything was just so much different. And obviously we have still been in the throes of the coronavirus and we're like on the 14th iteration of it where, you know, before we were locked down, there was no rims in the city. We didn't know where we were going. I'm pretty sure that you were doing some sort of clandestine surreptitious type of training at the time. And then <laughs> things kind of opened up early winter. And now it's like, it feels like it's normal, but it doesn't seem like the numbers are going down. But, you know, going back to just the coronavirus and, you know, going back to March 2020, um, where were you at that moment? And when was the moment that you took all of this, like, really serious? Well, to be honest with you, I kind of took it serious. We were, what were we doing? I think we were coming back from, like, vacation or something like that on an extended weekend. And, you know, we were coming back and, um, you know, there were a few people in the, thing in the country that had... Uh, you know, they're on the boat or whatever they were talking about. And uh, finally, when we came back and it hit full force, my wife's in the, you know, the healthcare industry. So we felt it right away. You know, we took it serious right away um, from, from that perspective because she was literally fighting COVID, you know, from the jump. Mm. So it was pretty wild in our house. I had my son. She's fighting coronavirus, um, you know, with these crazy people, you know, everything that's going on in the world with the hospitals and things like that. They were getting overrun. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to stay home and just, you know, keep the household afloat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's basically what it was. And I would imagine it was such a jarring experience for you because, you know, I went from, I remember right before the pandemic, I was at Medgar Evers College. I was refing a PSAL semifinal, packed crowd, Pop Smoke just died. They were playing Pop Smoke during the timeouts. Yep. And it's like, this is, there's no other place I'd rather be. I mean, I'm in right. Brooklyn. Yeah. Pop Smoke just died. You can see how, like, the energy that these kids have. And everything got shut down. And I'm referee ran. How am I, I going to make a podcast when we're not even reffing? Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with my baseball season. I don't know what's going to happen in my lacrosse season. I don't know what's going to happen with flag football. And at the time, it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I was watching CNN all day. I wasn't even thinking about sports. And I remember when the bubble happened, mm. when the games were like 1 o'clock, 4 mm. o'clock. It was like a dream because we, we were literally doing nothing. Yeah. What was that summer like for you? Were you training at all? Um, We were trying to like you know, scram well, first off, we were just trying to like get our feet underneath us in terms of like what we were doing. Um, we, you know, from the company standpoint, obviously we were shut down. Uh, at the time, Mecca Basketball was operating at a just solely North Sport um, over in Northport, New York. And my partner, Phil and I were like, you know, we were shut down, we had nothing going on. So we were just trying to figure out what to do. So we started to do some stuff and uh, stuff virtually, training kids virtually, literally online. We, we, we got on a platform called Famer and uh, we started to do stuff with that. 
And, uh, yeah, man, it was a grind. It was like, you know, it was definitely like we had camps and stuff that got shut down. So from all that, those perspectives, like, you know, you got to put things in reality though, to a little bit. And, you know, at, at some point you just got to say, look, we're, we're healthy. Like, you know, our families are healthy at that time. And you know, that, that was really just kind of like the focus. Um, and just, just everyone's wondering like how, we're, when this is going to end, you know, did you contract coronavirus personally? No, not going to win, man. So you I haven't was, had it yet? No. I've had it twice, so. I was I'm very, saying this freely. I was very fortunate. We've been very fortunate. My my family did not. Um, my mom did, but um, nobody else got it. Um, vaccinated. We got vaccinated right away. So, like, we were, you know, fortunate. We were worried about my son, who's, at, you know, at the time, like, you know, what, three, four years old now. He's five. And uh, we didn't want him to get it. So it was just, uh, you know, it's a crazy time. It's, it's, it's you know, it's... Um, it was wild. Yeah. It was wild when you think back to it. Right. And I think these, and now we're going into our third year. Yeah, of exactly. This, right? I like thinking about how long we've been in this. It's like crazy. I, I think I realized like when, when you see bad news, it's like we're not surprised anymore because we have been in such an uh, unsurprising situation because literally the sky's been falling, right? Whatever yeah. protest or somebody gets fired mm-hmm. or coronavirus comes back or whatever. I mean, everything has just been so crazy. In contrast from summer 2021 to summer 2020, how different was it? And I don't want to use the word back to normal because I still don't think it's back to normal. I think we're a lot more guarded and we know a lot more information and we have a lot more resources to be able to combat that. But I'm pretty certain that it was a big contrast from the summer previous to the summer that you just was. What was it like? Way better. I mean, I think everybody had a sense of relief, even though there was you know, mandates and things like that. When we, first of all, when we came back, just rewind to like January, we were able to actually be able to play basketball and we were the first sport up in the wintertime. It was just like a relief for a lot of these kids. Um, there was a lot of questions on like mask mandates and, you know, social distancing and all that stuff. But, you know, just people wanted to just to socialize and play. And I think that, you know, basketball for a lot of people and sports in general was a great therapy. It mm. was therapeutic to them. Um, when we got to the summertime, um, our camps got back and up and running and things like that. So there was some sense of normal normalcy to it. Um, you know, but again, like we're trying to like, you know, be sensitive to the fact that, you know, people are coming and looking at it from different perspectives. So we're working, you know, focusing on social distancing. We're focused in on like, you know, the masks and, and different things that, you know, we want to give people the sense of, you know, they want it, they're safe, you know, and we want, we want kids to feel safe. We want parents most importantly to feel safe, sending their kids to camp or clinics or training. And, um, you know, I just think that overall, like all the parties involved from like, let's say facility operators to, you know, the guys that are actually, you know, to us, like who are the people that are running the, the training, the facilities, um, everyone's on the same page. You know, mm. we want what's best for kids. We want what's best for, for parents. And, and I think that, uh, everyone's, you know, everyone aligned with that. Yeah. And, and yeah. listen, I'll just say as a public service announcement, we're still in the throes of coronavirus. So make sure that you still say socially distant. Wash your hands, make sure you get any type of, you know, just so we can keep the band going. Uh, You know, I think about my volleyball season last year, you know, around August, September, October, November, I'm always dead, fully locked in in volleyball. Last year, we didn't have a season. Right. Up until. Like the end, right? April. And we had it. And, you know, we were 13 and one at the time. We lost to St. Anthony's. We were about to play them. We had our senior night. And I remember our senior night. I was so thankful because. I really thought that those seniors were going through it, you know, because their junior year, we won the championship. We beat St. Anthony's. They were undefeated up until the championship until we, I don't know if we stole it because we, right. we have a championship experience. But, you know, I really didn't think I would have an opportunity to see them again. So 
you know, it was really emotional for me to get you on the microphone. You know, it's the same thing, man. It's the same thing. Like when I was coaching, this was my last season over at North Shore. And um, you probably didn't even know it at the time. I, it was just because of circumstances. Totally did not know it. Mm. I, I wasn't even planning on it. It wasn't in my, it wasn't even in my, uh, on my radar, you know? And uh, I had this group of seniors that I basically taught in elementary school. And I love these kids. These kids were, you know, like family to me. Not only were they, the kids were family, like the parents were amazing. And, uh, you know, I felt so bad for these parents. They, they, they couldn't watch their kids play live. You know, we're doing, we're setting stuff up like links and YouTube links and it was, it's crazy. And then the kids on the bench are sitting eight feet apart from each other. And it was a wild season. And we kind of, we had a limited amount of games and we just kind of told our kids like, look, like, let's just take every day. We don't know if tomorrow is going to be here, if we're going to get, you know, have to go quarantine and let's just take one day at a time and just make the most of every moment. And our kids bought in, man. And I thought that, you know, over with the Vikings, they really bought in from top to bottom. And uh, it was a, it was a tremendous season. So yeah, that that's awesome that you had that. So you yeah. know, back to my story. We ended up right after that. We got into quarantine, and you know the deal. Our season got canceled because then less than a week we were supposed to have our championship. And I think I was really sick to my stomach because I never really thought what it would be like in comparison to losing in the championship game, which I have experience mm. with that as well. Mm. But just having it taken away because of outside circumstances, it was just was so difficult to to deal with. I found out maybe like three months later that St. Anthony's also yeah. was in quarantine, so they didn't even have yeah. the rest of the season. So even this year, we have masks on all the time. I, I'm just yeah. not playing. Like yeah. I'm not playing. Like this is like it, it. I'm such a defender because we're doing so well this year, and I just I don't want to get knocked out by coronavirus. So it's it's just a difficult situation all around. This whole experience that you've had, just being the North Shore coach, pivoting, and then also just trying to get your feet, you know, on solid ground with this whole thing. And now we're two years into it, and obviously you pivoted with Mecca Basketball and all the things that you're doing. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Um, that's a great question. I think that the most important thing to me is, is honestly, like, the relationships that you form with people. And I've always been a preacher of that from, as a coach. And I think that, you know, basketball has been such a journey for me from like being a player and creating these relationships with people that, you know, are lifelong. And then also from the coaching side, the same thing, like my partner right now, like Phil Zebahai with Mecca Basketball was one of like my first players as a coach when I was 23 years old, head coach at John Glenn. And, uh, you know, now we're, we're business partners. We sit back and we look at things and we're like, you know, what a journey we've been on. I've known this guy from, since he's been in seventh grade at the time and, uh, actually playing for, playing for the Long Island Lightning with me when I was a lightning coach, um, you know, way back in the day and, uh, all the way up to now. So it's been, you know, the biggest thing is basketball is a small world and I think life goes real by real fast and it's, you want to surround yourself with positive people and, and uh, create and formulate relationships that are going to, you know, last a lifetime. So, yeah. And I think it's a blessing in disguise how we connected and, you know, talking about just the passion that you have for the game of basketball. I have a similar game of uh, similar passion in the game of basketball. And I find that that's, you know, something that's most people don't really understand. Like, I love the same game that yeah. you do. Yeah. I just choose not to coach because, right. listen, I coach volleyball and it's short. You know right. what I mean? It's August. Then I think about like your season is double and then some. Right. Yeah. So, and I know the emotional <laughs> grip that basketball has where you, you lose your voice, you start <laughs> yeah, getting totally. crazy. So like, I don't feel I like, I feel like volleyball has taken the good parts to me right. of coaching. Right. And you know, I just, I, I sublimated that to the game of officiating where, you know, I, I want everyone to understand that there's players, they're passionate, coaches are passionate, officials are just as passionate. Totally. We don't want to come out there 
right. and make a mistake. But right. obviously you have a deep root and passion in the game of basketball. Having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? Yeah, no, so I, uh, I grew up over in East Northport, went to Elwood John Glenn High School, um, was a 1,000-point scorer there, Old County player, had a tremendous career. Um, you know, still remember those days back in the day with a lot of my teammates. Some of my teammates actually now are, are working, you know, with us. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool vibe that we got going down with, with the training stuff. Uh, then went on to play over at the college and, uh, you know, then quickly got into the coaching world, 23 years old, got, came back, actually came back, got the head coaching job at John Glenn. It was a tremendous experience to be coaching there for a few years as, as the head guy and uh, teaching. I was, I'm a teacher, so I was jumping around teach. I was teaching down in Northport. Then I moved over to North Shore where I am now for a long time. And I actually moved over to do the JVs at North Shore um, because the job opened up there. And I was like, you know, I got to be teaching and coaching in the same district. So I jumped over to North Shore, did the JVs for a year. We went like 17 and 0 for the season. And then the next year I became the varsity coach there and never really kind of turned back. So, you know, a lot of stuff is timing. A lot of stuff is, you know, what you value and who you are as a person. And then I think that, you know, just, you know, just having some things line up for you, you know, in, inside the universe is just, is just good. You know, I think some things have been good. I've been blessed in a lot of ways. Um, I try to stay humble with everything that w that's going on around me. And then, uh, you know, now, you know, then this year I kind of just wanted to pivot. You know, I had my son who's, who wants me coaching him and um, I decided to pivot for family reasons and things and opportunities opened up with lightning and with Mecca basketball, we've been, we've been growing. So it's just, uh, you know, everything kind of happened for a reason. So, yeah, that's really awesome. I want to yeah. go back to that 17 and 0 JV season yeah. because I mean, that sounds like an anomaly, especially yeah. like you were there one season. And, you know, I think about the times when I first started coaching volleyball, I was a freshman in college and I just wanted some Jordans. So yeah. I just went into the athletic director's office. I was like, yeah, I want to coach. And, you know, I was coaching my friends or the girls that I liked at right. the time, right? And it obviously grew into something completely different. And, you know, there's something to be said about a special season, like a 17 and 0 season, especially like in Nassau where there's no playoffs. Right. And, you know, you get to the point where you build and, you know, I always often find the dynamic of being undefeated because there's been so many times where my volleyball teams have been undefeated going into the championship game. And then sometimes like in, in basketball terms, if you think about you're undefeated the whole season, but now you're down by 13 with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow because you've yeah. never been in that experience. Talk about that JV inaugural season that you had and the run. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I had a special group of kids back then. That was a long time ago. I'm thinking back now. That was a, I had a special group of kids. Um, I remember we were having practices like on, on half a court and it was like, we had a limited amount of time to get things done. And I think it's just, you know, when you're working with players today, especially today, you've got to get them to buy into like your message. Right. And you got to have an understanding of like 21st century player. And I think it's so important to understand like from like what they're dealing with. I mean, like just think about like, we've been talking about social media a little bit today. <clears throat> social media impacts them on a daily. And I think just as a coach, like understanding like what they deal with, their trials and tribulations as a, as a student athlete, what they're going through and being able to connect and relate with them in, in, in ways that are on the court and then also ways that are off the court, understand what they're dealing with. I think just helps um, people buy in. And when you can get a team of guys of 10, 15 guys to buy into a message, regardless of the level, whether you're coaching a CYO team, an AAU team or high school varsity team, college team, when you can get 15 guys just buying into the same message and they're not worried about the me stuff and they're all focused on we, I think it just, you know, 
it's a recipe for success, man. Mm. You know, I think that's kind of like what it goes down to, boils down to. Going back to that JV piece, I never really had experience coaching uh, on the JV level on the volleyball team, but you know, sometimes I always find that JV is kind of like purgatory. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like when you're in the G League, yeah, you want to go to the NBA, of course. If you're a coach, you want right. to go to the NBA. Right. If you're a referee, you want to go in the NBA. Right. So it's like everyone is competing at a high level, but they yeah. don't really want to be there. And right. I'm not saying the JV kids don't want to be there because they just so happen to be sophomores. Like this right. is what, right. what it is. Right. And they don't have outsized talent that they're not playing varsity. But sometimes I often find that coaches are already thinking about the next step as opposed to doing that. Um, were you at that time, do you think you already having your sights set or you were completely immersed in the no, things that man, you were doing? I, I was, I gave up a varsity job to go do the JV because of like where I was at. Mm. So like I, I literally, I'm not, a, you know, I checked the ego at the door. You know, I was like, look, I got like, people are like, why are you giving up a varsity job to go do a JV job? I'm like, that's an ego stalk. You know, I, I don't need my ego to get in my way of where I want to go and what I want to do. At the time, my mission was like, look, I want to be teaching and coaching in the same district. And I said, at the time there was somebody who was ahead of me, who's there for years and doing a great job. And um, I thought I was going to be doing it for five years. I signed up for like, oh, I'm going to do the JVs for the next four or five years, and then I'll take over to varsity. And, you know, things just kind of just went a little quicker than that. And, um, you know, so now I had no intentions. I was all in, you know, coaching the JVs. I loved what I was doing at the time, and I had the experience at the varsity level already. And then uh, things just turned out to be what they were, mm. you know. Now, I, I want to go back to your, your varsity experience and, yeah. you know, your decade-long run. Um just talk about your experience doing that all of these years. And if you could pinpoint what your philosophy is as a coach, what would it be? Yeah. So I've had, you know, we've been, I've had teams that um, have been up and down, you know, like sometimes we've get kit. We've, we've been in some tough leagues, man. Like we've played against some tough competition. We've had some, you know, John Glenn, we had to run into some Amityville teams and, you know, and then in stuff in Nassau County, we've ran into some really tough, tough teams from like Floral Park, Valley Stream South, um, you know, there's other guys there too, but, um, the competition level in Nassau is hard, especially in the A's. You have 30 plus schools, you know, fighting for spots, um, to get into the playoffs. So to get into the playoffs and then be successful, it's like, look, North Shore, we want to be a playoff team. We want to try to knock some people off. We've had some good runs. And, uh, you know, my philosophy is like, is like this, like we want to do things as a team and we want to have great ball movement. Um, we want to really space and pace the game out the way we want to do it. And we want to be mindful of like how we attack other teams and make them think. And uh, we mix things up a lot. So, you know, the game today is positionless basketball, right? And we see that from the NBA down. And about like, uh, about like 10 years ago, I really bought into that and just started teaching that from the ground up. Um, and today it's like, it's really taken over. So I think like positionless basketball is so important from the standpoint of like how we coach our players and also from the standpoint of like how we train our guys, you know? Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Now that whole distinction between training and coaching, I always find it a, a very strange thing because some trainers that are really into it, yeah, they really make it known that they're not a coach. Yeah. And then there's some coaches that kind of have a disdain for training. So I always find it weird when, you know, it's so funny because I think we all fall into the category of educators. Mm. So, like, when you think about it, like, what's the difference between an educator, a coach, and a trainer? Well, there's really nothing. nothing. It's on the umbrella of that we're all educators. It's so a like different variation of teaching. Yeah, I mean, we're teaching kids, like, right? We're teaching kids how to attain skills that they wanted to get. Um, and then we're just taking it from a different perspective, you know? So, so from, from the way I look at, like, training, like, my partner and I feel like we, we may have different viewpoints on different things but like in terms of like what we bring 
you know, to the court for, for our kids is, is invaluable. It's priceless, you know? Mm. Now going back to that training piece, um, what kind of planted the seed for you to start thinking in that regard? With Wait, the training again? With I'm sorry, the, say it again. What planted the seed for you to start thinking of training in that regard of saying like, okay, we could also do this because I'm pretty sure that it's supplemented the coaching side because if yeah, you're training them yeah. and you're developing them. Yeah. So like, I always wanted to get into the training world. I've, I've had like camps and stuff that I've been doing in the summertime for over 15 years. And I was coaching, obviously I was young. I got, I got into the coaching world really early, but I, there was something about like, um, getting on the court with kids and connecting with them to get them to be successful beyond like a, like a team perspective, like what, what they needed to get done individually. And, um, you know, back in like 2019, like Phil, I've known Phil for a long time. So he called me up and he's like, look, why don't we, you know, I want to meet with you. So I was like, all right, let's meet. Let's have some coffee, chop it up. And he was kind of expressing to me like some things that he was doing with the training world currently and what he, where his visions were aligning for the future. And I said, why don't we do this together? I've been having a lot of passion and wanted to do this and get into this world as well. So we decided to, at the time, open up a training company. Like, let's do it. Let's go together. Um, and I was still coaching. Um, it was in a different County from where I was coaching and teaching. So I wasn't really like crossing lines with any kids that I was coaching. It was totally different. Um, we were going over to Suffolk County and, uh, you know, thinking back, we're like, I already can name this place. And ironically last night, you know, Julius Randall hits a, a game winner mm. at Madison Square Garden. I don't know if you saw this, right? I did. And we were like, well, what are you going to name this place? And our, at the time, our dream was to build this training training company. And we didn't want to just be like individual trainers. We wanted to build a company on where all kids are going to go to to get the service. And we were like, let's name it the Mecca because, you know, Madison Square Garden, New York, the whole thing, it's, you know, Madison Square Garden is the Mecca, the best place to play. And we were like, well, if we're in New York, let's make the best place to train. And that's kind of like how we came up with that name Mecca Basketball um, and what our perspective was. And like thinking about like what we bring to the table individually, we thought we can really, we have something here. Mm. And uh, it's just ironically that last night I'm driving over here today and I'm like listening to the news and things like that, watching, you know, on social media, Jules Rounds hit his game winner and, uh, you know, all over the tags, everyone's tagging the Mecca, the Mecca, the Mecca. So it was like, you know, it's just ironic that we're getting on a podcast today talking about <laughs> social media and, you know, Julius Randall hit it last night. So it was good. Good, oh, vibes, man. good vibes all around. You mean you're a Nick fan is what you're saying. I'm a Nick fan, you know, mm. I'm a Nick fan. I'm, a I'm not a Nick fan. I'm a Jet fan as well, which is also difficult to take. I'm a Ravens fan. And oh, they've yeah? been the cardiac kids yeah. this year. Yeah. So. Terry, the only game that was bad was the Raiders game, but everything yeah. else has been, and they've been on primetime, I think four times already. Yeah. yeah. So it's been fun. But if you could look right there, I have a Hubert Davis jersey. He was my favorite it. basketball player growing up. I um, love it. John Starks broke my heart in game six when I was a, a 12 year old. And then I could see you being a J big John Starks fan. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I was a no? Hubert Davis fan. Yeah. Hey, I no? didn't like John Starks at no? all. Oh, yeah, oh, because really? he was streaky, man. I never yeah. understood. Like, I always thought of it like this if Pat Riley put in Hubert Davis, two things would have happened. One of two things would have happened. He would have either, they would have redistributed all the shots that John Starks took instead of going six for 23. Yeah, yeah. Or Yuba Davis would have went, you know, three for five, like he always does. Right, and right, right, right. And probably right. would have won, but that's neither here nor there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Nick fan from the yesteryear. Yeah. I think they've sucked all of the emotion out of me. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. But, you know, going back from the, the, the seed that Phil planted, going to year one, I'm pretty sure in the beginning it was tough because... You know, your passion is emanating that you want to train, but I'm sure it took a long time to get the ball rolling, right? It, what was that first year like and how has it developed over time? Well, anything, anytime you want to start something new, right? 
it takes a lot of unseen hours. Yeah. And I think like connecting to what we did from a company perspective for Mecca basketball versus like even what kids go through. Like if you want to be all county, you want to play at the next level, like you got to put in work yeah. and everybody, you know, they go and watch the, let's say Julius Randall go hit that shot. They have no idea how hard Julius Randall has to work to put his team in position to and himself in position to do that. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of like what, what we see from like, from any company. I don't think it's just us. Like every, every single company, every single organization has to put in a lot of time, a lot of work um, to get to where they want to go. And, and people like the world of social media today, like we all see like the good stuff, right? Like we don't see those unseen hours. So like we see like the success that people have across the board, but there's a lot of like, you know, things that go on behind the scenes to, in order to put us in position to do that, mm. you know? Let's talk about the peers that you revere. I know you mentioned Phil a couple of times and also the yeah. mentors that have helped you along the way. Who are they? What have they done for your career? And how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? You know, probably one of the biggest mentors in my life has been um, my old soccer coach. He's not, he's not old, but he, my old soccer coach back in the day, uh, Lou Hanner from John Glenn. He's still there. Uh, I just played in an alumni game a couple weeks ago. Kind of hurt my quad up a little bit. <laughs> okay, getting old, man. But uh, he really shaped me in terms of like career-wise. Like he, that's why I'm a phys ed teacher. Um, he he he's laid a lot of foundation for me in terms of like who I who I am and was as a coach. And uh, you know he's been a he's been a tremendous role model. I still talk to him you know a lot. And uh, I, you know Lou, if you're listening, thank you, man. You uh, really helped me a lot in my career. So. He's been a he's been a he's been a big factor totally. Anybody like, else? I don't want you to get in trouble now. No, um, other people. No, there's always my parents. Obviously, you know, um, that's an easy answer though. Mm -hmm. um, the people that you just surround yourself with, like um, you know, my wife helps me all the time in terms of, you know, bouncing ideas off of her and making me you know bigger and stronger. So you know her. Um, you know, too, like, I think, like, who you surround yourself with in times, in terms of, like, a circle, it's important to have, like, quality people that are also push you, like, right, right now, most recently, like, you know, to be honest with you, like, Jim Fox from, from Island Garden Lightning, he's, he's awesome, you know, I mean, in terms of leadership, uh, and what he brings to the table, I think he, he brings a lot, and, you know, he, he mentors me a little bit in terms of, like, you know, directions to go, and, and, and how to, like, handle certain situations, and I think he, uh, you know, he's, he's done a tremendous job and has built a tremendous, you know, company, companies. And, um, you know, so he, he's been there as well. Uh, so overall, you know, I think it, I, I don't have a very big circle. I'll be honest with you. I don't have a very big circle. I have a small circle. Um, I bounce ideas off of people and friends a lot that I trust. Um, and then just go from there, take their perspectives and make it your own, you know? Yeah, that's really awesome. And shout out to Jim Fox, somebody yeah, that has yeah. been very instrumental in my growth and progress in yeah. my career. And I, I'm forever indebted to that yeah. man. Um, after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a trainer, as a teacher, as an educator overall? Well, I think key terms are like perseverance, um, being loyal. I think just um, staying focused, you know, like having a focus in terms of like where we want to go. Like a lot of times, like if you want to get something done, you got to do it now. Like, why are we waiting? So like we have you know, meetings or different things that take place. And it's just like, let's go, you know, let's get it done. So, um, and you got to just kind of like prioritize things. So, you know, you obviously family comes first and things like that, but then, you know, sometimes you just got to go and say, look, I want to get something, how we do it and let's get it done. You know, I don't think that there's no time, like no, no reason to make excuses for things on why they didn't get done. Let's mm. fix it. And I think also the biggest thing is having the ability to pivot. I think like so many people like say, all right, I want to get from point A to point B. 
And now all of a sudden I can't get the point B. Okay, well, how are we going to pivot? So we can't go in a straight line. And I think that like not, you know, life is not a straight line, right? Like regardless of what we do for a living or our relationships or whatever we have going on in our life, like life is not a straight line. It's like you got to be able to pivot and zigzag. And I think that that's probably, I would actually think about it. That's how I would, I would circle that, pivot, be able to pivot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. So I even wanted to share uh, this Instagram post that I just saw. Um, and shout out to Gem, Gemma Corell who put this up. They have like 34,000 likes on this, but they talk about the seven habits of highly effective monsters. They have passion for their work, right? That's yeah. one. Two, this is completely not true for me. They get plenty of sleep. I get no sleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no sleep. Three, they're single-mindedly chase after what they want. Um, they know how to delegate tasks. And five, they, they are highly focused and they love to learn. And just like what you just hit on, setbacks just make them stronger. And yeah. you know, sometimes when people have setbacks, they feel like their whole world is crushed. Yeah. They don't know how to, but I think of it as like, man, I, I failed the uh, the boys class the first time when I took for, for refereeing. Yeah. I had to wait 365 days and spend another $300 yeah. to take the same class that I just took. Yeah. And I failed the girls class. So for me, it's important for me to say that lesson because you know, you really have to think about the alternatives, right? You mm -hmm. have to think about different things that you can do. And, you know, that time when I ended up failing and I wasn't able to start that year, I just ended up doing softball or flag football or something else. And, right. you know, that ability to pivot, I think that's like the most important thing, especially in this time. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. Like we were doing really well and all of a sudden COVID hits and it's like, we're at zero, right? So like, what are we going to do? If right? coronavirus didn't happen, you'd still be the North Shore coach, you know? Let's let's just- uh, Yeah, may, I mean, I don't know, you know, like- I, It just maybe, wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't I mean? be the same, totally. You know, um, also me giving that up had a lot to do with my family. Mm. Like, you know, like- my But your family, family perspective came from coronavirus yeah, because yeah. that's why I'm not refing in the city. That's true. I, yeah, that's I mean? true. Like, you know, like my wife was going through a lot of stuff with, with that and my son's growing up and he sees me like coaching a lot of kids and wants me coaching him and he's entering kindergarten. You know, like that's, that's the number one thing. You get these like years one time, right? They're little once for a small amount of time. And right. I didn't want to like turn around and be, you know, missing stuff. Mm. And I think that, you know, now I, I kind of make my own schedule in a lot of terms and, and uh, I have a lot of time to spend with my family and, you know, kind of delegate what I got to do. You mm. know? Um, so it's, you know, that's important to me. That's, that's really valuable. To yeah. Me. And I found that you were an early worm because am, you were man. like, Oh, let's meet at eight. And yeah, you were yeah. probably surprised. Like I, I said, we, okay, I sure. I think we were what on Instagram at like six o'clock in the morning. Oh, I was yeah. just vibing, having my yogurt <laughs> and all of a sudden you hit me up and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know? So it was funny. That was funny. That's, that's awesome, man. And, and I'm really thankful that you were yeah. honored uh, in doing yeah. this. Um, my, my next question to you is, um, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go in everything that you're doing? No, I just want to be able to provide, I want us to be able to provide like just a place for kids to feel comfortable coming that they can get better at the game of basketball. Mm. And I think like what we're doing right now, we have this affiliation, this tremendous affiliation with Long Island Lightning. So, so Mecca Basketball and Long Island Lightning have this affiliation and, and kids can basically come and not only play games and get great coaching, but they have this ability to have this elite training that's involved and incorporated with it. So, you know, it's all, it's all, all inclusive. So if, if anyone out there is really looking to, you know, want to play the game of basketball, and, and take it to the next step for themselves, wherever they are as an individual, you know, this is really the place to be. Um, Lightning is the, the, the biggest organization. They've sent so many kids to college and beyond. And, uh, you know, Mecca Basketball, I think we, we've been holding our own in terms of what we provide from a training perspective. I, I got to shout out two guys from Mecca Basketball for me as well. Like we've opened this new spot called Code Mecca down in Garden City. So we're inside 
Mitchell, the Mitchell gym. And uh, we brought in probably one of the best trainers in Long Island with us as like a partner, Brandon Williams. He's tremendous. And we've got Mike, Mike Friedman as well. He's coaching a lot of our lightning teams and doing a tremendous amount of training with us as well. So like I talked about like relationships and talked about like how I value the people around us. And, you know, Brandon and Mike just bring such a value to us that it allows us from a team of trainers with Mecca basketball to just, you know, be at another level, in my opinion. And in terms of when they kids walk into the gym and, you know, what they're going to get from these guys is is priceless. Yeah, that's so, that's really yeah, awesome, man. Yeah. If you can, what do you think is the most stickiest situation that you've ever had as a player, as a coach and also as a trainer? As a player, I think like when, when I got to college, like sometimes like people think it's easy. You know, you're playing D3 basketball. They think it's easy. And then you'll start to feel like you're away from home. You get some injuries and that's tough, you know, and like, you're not, you're used to being like the man and scoring and playing and scoring 20, you know, all those, all those things that are great when you're in in high school. And sometimes like people don't realize what it takes to get to that, to that next stage. Um, From a coaching perspective, like there's a lot of stuff that as a coach you worry about. Um, I remember one of my first seasons, like, I was young, man. I was like 23. It was my first season coaching varsity basketball. We're winning, right? We're winning. We're, we're going for conference titles. Like we won the conference that year. We're going for a conference title. And then you got guys on the team that, you know, and this is early on, let's say coach Carpenter early on, you know, having to deal with different things, but you got guys that, you know, aren't playing as much and mm. you're, and you, you're worrying about those guys yeah. sometimes. Like, why are they not playing? You know, I, know I want feeling. these guys to play. I want them to feel a part of it. And it's like, you got this struggle. Like that's a struggle as a coach. You know, so you got, yet people don't realize that, you know, parents sometimes I think, think like the coach goes home and they, they may not think about my kid or care about my kids. And then you start to get an email or whatever. But I mean, for me, like I care about every kid. I think of these, these kids as as my kid, you know, like I think like we got 15 guys on the team. These players are are like family to me. So I want everyone to feel as if they're always a part of it. So sometimes I overthink, I overthink a lot, um, probably in general. And then from, from a training perspective, um, you know, the training perspective thing is just wanting to, we have like a lot of clients that come in and then we just want, just want to be able to be visible for all of them, right? I want to be able to help all of them in, in their different ways. So we, what we do is we like rotate around, like we're able to, in different sessions, be able to touch all our, get to all our clients and, and be able to touch to them, you know, touch upon like what they need to do and how to get to them so that they understand because some of these players are like in systems, you know, and like understanding the system they're in, like, let's say they're going to a local school, understand their system and they're in and what they have to do to get to be successful in that system. that mm. They're being provided at the high school level. Conversely, what do you think is your best moment as a player, as a coach, and thus far as a trainer? Um, probably, I mean, I, I remember we played at the time Southampton was, was, would walk in and beat everybody back in the day. They were a small school and they were killing all of everybody. Um, and I remember they came to our place one year and our junior year. And I remember we were down two, and I hit like a game winner, you know, three at the buzzer. And I remember my friend Justin like tackled me on the <laughs> sideline. Like, you know, that was an awesome moment. And then my last home game, I think was, was really memorable for me. I actually, ironically, my parents just sold their house um, yesterday, they just closed on their house, my, my, my childhood house. And my mom dropped off during the week. She dropped off like these articles, my, my thousand point ball, all that stuff. And I started like reading it. I actually posted it, I think. And there was, um, 
my last home game, I scored 45 points, and it was against the team that had beat us when there was, like, college scouts in the stands. I was sick. I was throwing up on the bus, and that just goes to show you, like, the difference. Like, I was throwing up on the bus, like, in a bag, and I got out and played uh, Mount Sinai on the road. I'll never forget this. And I remember the college scouts were at the game, and I was sick. I was I played horrible. Um, and then my last home game was against this team. So I was, like, 22 points away from 1,000 points, and I came out and dropped, like, 45 points that night and I had like 10 threes. I sent like three records, you know, and that was like, just like I had a lot of people in the stands and I just, I just went off. I think we, as a team, we scored like a hundred. We just kicked, kicked our ass, you know? So it was just like one of those moments as it was a good way to kind of end my, my high school career and then move on. So that was cool. Um, yeah. How about as a coach? As a coach, I mean, I've had so many good ones. Like I got to be honest with you, I've had so many guys come through and, Every season has been its own chapter. I think that there's been some really good moments. I remember most recently where guys, we just had to come up again, get a big win. Um, I think there was a win we had to get against Floral Park to get us a chance to get into the playoffs. And we was like, I, I think like every single time our team, we want to have them over, you know, succeed. And I think if we can do more than we thought they could do. I think it's a winning season. Yeah. And I think like we've had, a, I've had, a, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of guys buy into my message and been able to do that multiple times. So I can't, I can't really pinpoint one moment as a coach. Really cool to kind of win a conference title as your first year. Um, but there's been plenty of memories in, in North Shore that have been amazing. And uh, I remember one, actually this one does stick out. I remember one, we're playing Valley Stream South. And again, very similar to like that high school one, like Valley Stream South was killing everybody. They had like Alicia's Hall. They had all those guys that went big time and um, we're at home. The stands are packed and Tommy Lipner comes down and it's a tie game. He gets fouled and he gets three shots and I think he's got to hit one and he misses the first two. And I'm like, this is our senior captain. He's a shooter. Uh, he needs to knock it down. And I remember Tommy knocks the third one down. We win Val a Valley Stream South game at home. It was a game that gets us into the playoffs. It was like a huge win. And, um, you know, it was like moments like that. And then the, the kids, like these kids will remember that forever. You know? How about so, as a trainer? As a trainer, um, I think when we get guys to play in college, like so like most recently, like guys come in and, you know, they're trying to get to the next level and they they may not have the connections with the college coaches or they may have guys that, um, are in their circle at the high school level and they're trying to get to the next stage and just being able to connect those guys that are training with us that want to play college so bad and have worked so hard but may just be under the radar. So, like, helping those guys connect and, and uh, you know, really sign a deal for them in yeah. college. That's really what it comes Listen, down to. Listen, you, you are the uh, triple threat because if somebody that has been successful in their own right playing, also just spending all this time on the coaching level in high school – and then now you're you're doing training. I think that's just an invaluable conversation to have yeah. for somebody to understand the deep work that it takes. So, you know, kudos to you to Thanks, have man. all Appreciate in that, that deep work. We're going to leave some more meat on the bone so we could have a part two. And we'll also talk off air about connecting further. Okay. Um, but my final question to you is basketball has done so much for you. You know, where you've uh, built a business on it. You've uh, gained so many relationships. Mm -hmm. You've had so many memories. What does basketball mean to you? What has it given to you in your life? Basketball has been the gateway to so many things for me um, from like the people that I have met to the connections I have made to, to really everything. And to, to really just like also therapy for myself, like mm. just like being able to get on the court, like still at like 37 years old and just sometimes be in the gym alone and just shoot and just kind of get my mind right in terms of like 
what's going on in my life, you know? So basketball has always been my, my foundation. Um, it's not who I am as a person. I, you know, I have go way beyond that, but it's just been like, I, I think I used the term yesterday with somebody, it's just been the gateway for me in terms of like where I want to go and what I want to do and, you know, um, and, and who I want to be there with, mm. you know? So yeah, man. Gives me a good, gives me a good, like, uh, you know, foundation for everything. Keep up that energy, man. I thank you for your time. Appreciate Any final that. words you want to say before we part ways? No, nah, man. I really appreciate being here. You're tremendous. Um, I hope more people follow you and just continue to, you know, get, get, you get your message out. And then from my perspective, like we've got a lot of things going for us. Um, check us out at, at MeccaBasketball.com. We've got, we're in Nassau and uh, Suffolk now. We have a new location called Code Mecca which is over in Garden City, New York. And uh, come check us out, man. We, we can really help a lot of kids out. And if you're looking for teams, Long Island Lightning. Yeah, Long listen, Lightning. if you want to get right, go see That's Coach right. Carr, man. He'll That's get it. you right, man. We'll get you right. I think you got to work on my left-handed dribble. So right, we'll, we'll, we'll come and see you, man. But for, Thanks, for Mecca man. Basketball, for Coach Kevin Carp, this is Ralph the Ref. This is the rant. We're signing out. Peace. Thanks, man. Bye.